Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Our goal is to help Christians understand the truth of Romans 15:14 that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm one of your hosts, Curtis Solomon. And I'm Lincoln Liu, your other host. Be sure to check out other resources from the BCC at biblicalcc.org. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. We're glad to have you as part of our audience. Really encouraged by you and your participation in our ministry, especially when you share about 1514 and the other ministry resources of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. So if you haven't done that already, please share online, tell people about the BCC, as well as uh, this podcast, and be sure to encourage people to support the work that we are doing. Today's episode is an interview that Lakin and I got to do with a good friend of mine, former classmate, Daryl Burling, and you'll pick up really quickly that Daryl's not from uh, around Louisville, Kentucky, or anywhere in the United States. He's actually, he joined us from his home in New Zealand. Uh, Daryl is on the board for New Zealand Biblical Counseling Association, and we get to talk to him about that, what biblical counseling looks like in New Zealand, what are some of the challenges they face, and what is the status of the, of the movement there. And then we also talked to Daryl about his job and a passion of his through a ministry called the Biblical Mastery Academy. And I love what Daryl is doing through this ministry to bring Greek and Hebrew understanding to every member of the church who wants to do it. He's really smart guy, uh, knows Greek and Hebrew, but also knows people and he knows technology and he combines those knowledge, that knowledge and passion to create a great deliverable, uh, easy to engage with uh, classes so that you can learn Greek and Hebrew and really study the Word of God in the original languages. And we had a great time talking to him about that too. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this episode and uh, enjoy your day. This season of 1514 is brought to you in part by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Boyce College. A lifetime of faithfulness in counseling, preaching, teaching, and discipling begins with an education that is trusted for truth. Southern Seminary and Boyce College offer undergraduate, master's level, and doctoral degrees in biblical counseling that you can trust to be scripturally grounded and life-transforming. The aim of our program at Boyce College is to prepare graduates to serve in counseling ministries and to position them for graduate-level training in biblical counseling. If your next step in counseling is earning a master's or doctoral degree, Southern Seminary equips our graduates fully online or on campus to counsel God's Word faithfully and skillfully in both individuals and families. To learn more about an undergraduate biblical counseling degree, go to boycecollege.com 1514. That's boycecollege.com 1514. For more information about graduate-level credentials, the web address is sbts.edu slash 1514. You will also find direct links to these degree programs in the show notes of today's 1514 episode. Thanks so much for listening. Well, Daryl Burling, thanks so much for joining us for 1514. Would you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Sure. My name is obviously Daryl Burling, uh, but uh, I am a New Zealander. So as you can hear, my accent is a little different. Uh, I <laughs> studied in the States. So in a few years, I, I had a background in technology. So I did my pretty much most of my career, got to a point where I was like, I'm not sure this is really, really what I want to be spending my time on for the next the rest of my life. Uh, as of my mid-30s-ish, 
and uh, decided that, um, well, the Lord really opened the way for me to come to the States to go to seminary. Uh, and while I was there, I applied for an MDiv at Master's Seminary and ended up uh, wanting an undergraduate degree as well, because if you're going to do one, you might as well do the other. So I ended up ripping my way through a an undergraduate degree at the Masters University. Uh, they had an adult program at that point, so it meant that every class was really short and you could power through it pretty quickly. So I did my undergraduate in about 23 months or thereabouts, overlapped the end of that with seminary, did the seminary, the MDiv, and then after that, um, yeah, got involved with, uh, um, got the, well, the opportunity came up. I thought I was going to be a pastor. So, you know, you go to seminary, you think one thing, the Lord has other plans, and I ended up... Um, finding that that really wasn't going to work and ended up going down the track of a, a PhD in biblical counseling at Southern, which was fantastic. Uh, but um, yeah, so other than that, I'm married, been married for 30 years this year. We uh, have three daughters. Our daughters are all adults now, although we're struggling to encourage them to leave home, but that's okay. We enjoy having them at home, so that's great. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, live here in New Zealand. I've lived in a whole bunch of different places around the country now, but we're involved in a church here in Rotorua, which is a pretty challenging area to live in, a pretty challenging area uh, to serve in the church in. Uh, it's a pretty challenging country as a whole uh, to serve in. Um, and so, yeah, so that's that's me in a very small nutshell, I guess. But uh, I just you know, I'm just an individual who loves the word, who's just following where the Lord opens opportunities for me to serve him and uh, and grow in my knowledge and love of scripture as well. So, so Daryl, you're also involved in a few different ministries. Uh, one, yeah, both of them we want to talk about actually. So could you tell us first of all about NZBCA? And I'll let you say it because it'll just sound cooler coming from you. Yeah, NZBCA. Yeah, so the Z and the Z is the issue, right? Uh, yeah, so NZBCA, New Zealand Biblical Counseling Association, started as an organization to really help help people in New Zealand learn how to do biblical counseling. Um, here in New Zealand, there are two primary Bible colleges. You could say third if you include counseling uh, that teach biblical, well, that teach counseling in a Christian context. One teaches narrative counseling. The other one teaches uh, a, a form of, you know, the 1940s kind of form of counseling that Wayne Oates was teaching at um, Southern there. Well, that's kind of been adapted and updated, and that's what they teach at the other one. Uh, actually, and then there's another one that's kind of like a training institute um, uh, that provides us with um people who are trained as counsellors and yet, again, they're for the secular workforce. So here in New Zealand, there's really nobody who teaches biblical counselling at a at any kind of level. And so when we first started, it was really how do we teach biblical counselling? Now, since then, there is a an unaccredited Bible college here in New Zealand that has been teaching biblical counselling. And so we've transitioned, New Zealand Biblical Counselling has transitioned now from a organization uh, that teaches biblical counseling to an organization that teaches people that they need to learn biblical counseling. Um, <laughs> and, and part of the reason for that is that the only airplay that counseling really gets inside churches in New Zealand is from these institutions. So biblical counseling is largely unheard of. But if people do know about biblical counseling, they've come across, say, Jay Adams's books, uh, maybe CCEF, uh, but they've really got no exposure to this huge movement that's taking place 
and so there's no, not, not really any teaching going on. This well, apart from you know the little bit that we're sort of involved in here. Uh, and there's no awareness. And so it's very hard to get people to actually go learn it if they don't actually know about it. Uh, and so we're in this process now of trying to just get churches aware of it, trying to put together workshops. And we've got a conference that we do each year. Uh, and this is really helpful because there is a growing number of people now who know about biblical counseling, who are starting to get training in biblical counseling. Uh, and that's fantastic, but it's just not enough and it's too early. And so the New Zealand Biblical Counseling Association is really an association of people here in New Zealand who are interested and committed to biblical counseling and really spreading the word. And we've really just sort of refashioned the whole organization to make it more of a uh, a movement building organization so that people come in with no knowledge, they pay fees to be part of the association, they go out, they get training, they don't pay fees while they're getting training. And then once they've got the training, we want to pull them into the ministry of making this better known so that we're basically building this increasingly large um group of uh, movement makers, I guess. I'm not quite sure what we call them yet, but <laughs> people who are trying to encourage biblical counseling in their local churches and in churches in their area. What does that training look like that you take the people who are interested in, interested in uh, biblical counseling or who do not know about biblical counseling at all? Yeah, so what we do inside the organization, so we start with people who are interested but don't really know anything about it. We have a reading program uh, where we read a book a month, we just have a about so we have two years worth of books, 20, 24 books that we encourage people to go through uh, and read through. Actually, it's not quite a book a month, it's about one every two months because New Zealanders don't read either. Uh, so, to get people to actually start reading is a challenge. So, we take two months to read each book, we then get on a call at the end of it. So, we have uh, you know, the everything from uh, Heath Lambert's you know, theology, biblical counseling, uh, we've got um you know, uh, some of the basic kind of books uh, that just sort of teach the basic methodology of biblical counseling. We've got issues ones, good mood, bad mood, you know, things like that. So we just got a selection of good basic books that every biblical counselor would normally read in a graduate undergraduate program. And we just lead them through reading those. In addition to that, we have counseling. Uh, we have like a call. So every month is basically a call. One, one of those calls is uh, with one of our lecturers at another Bible college, unaccredited Bible college here in New Zealand, Grace Theological College. Uh, and he and uh, one of our other board members actually work through a counseling case to talk about this is how we would address this and just exposing people to the processes of biblical counseling, the results of biblical counseling, the challenges of biblical counseling as well. Uh, and, and so, yeah, those are the main things that we do. Uh, but we have a number of other little bits and pieces that come in along the way. We have a number of other people who help out too, but those what we're trying to do there is just give people that awareness um, and, you know, associate them with others who have got the same love for the scriptures and desire to learn and and that sort of thing. So, yeah. So what you, you mentioned the academically, there's little going on in the training of biblical counseling, but what's the state of biblical counseling maybe on the ground level and then broadly in New Zealand and your region, how, what's the status of the overall biblical counseling world in that, yeah. that region yeah so we've got um i think we've got two new zealanders now who live here who are um acbc certified uh we have uh i think just off the top of my head i think there's maybe three or four of us who have got uh formal education in biblical counseling uh one of those has a master actually one of those has a uh, demon i think from ccf uh he's the other lecturer 
Um, we have a, a lady who has an M, uh, B, uh, MABC. We have me and we have, I think, one other person who's uh, got some full qualifications. There's one or two others who have been through uh, US-based colleges or seminaries who have got some education as they've gone through their pastors. Um, but here's one of the things I think is really challenging for us is that pastors have got so much other things, so many other things to do that it's very difficult for them to actually get engaged. So they, they'll do the biblical counseling, but it's hard for them to prioritize. We need to get more people in our church biblically, you know, trained in biblical counseling. Yeah. Uh, and so we're not, and this is, doesn't matter we, where they were trained. Um, they'll all agree that this is, it's important that we do this, but they're so busy with other things that they don't really get this off the ground. Um, so, so biblical counseling is largely restricted to those churches where you've got somebody trained uh, who is engaged in that ministry. Mm. That's it, pretty much. And that's a very small number of churches. Most of the churches in New Zealand don't really have a high view of Scripture. They don't really hold to the sufficiency of Scripture. Uh, and if they do give lip service to it, they're not entirely sure what that means. And so, um, yeah, it's just a very challenging environment, which is one of the reasons why we transitioned out of being an educational institution because what no, there's no one to educate. We need to get people to know about this so they know they need to get educated. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so it's a, it's, let's just say it's at its early, early stages. Mm. How do you guys help the pastors see the importance of getting the church to be equipped? Yeah, so we have, um, we've one of, one, of the, one of our board members has had uh, some work going through talking to different pastors and sort of explaining and was sort of asking them for their, their uh, shepherding needs and how we can come alongside them and telling them what we what we offer and things like that. But again, one of the bigger movements that we are tangentially connected with um, has taken somebody who is not really involved in biblical counseling. In fact, they pers this person had a little bit of exposure to CCF through reading some of the CCF books. But then what they did is they uh, went to one of these other training institutes and got they started training through there. And this orga other organization has then sent them around all their churches, which is hundreds of churches around the country. Uh, and that's really established a beachhead for integrationist counseling in the country. And it's also, with and in conversations with that organization, they've really, um, yeah, they've actually said outright to us that they don't want to align with us and we're not entirely sure why. We're trying to talk with them to find out why. But it's just, I don't think it's anything to do with us. I think it's actually to do with the um, theological and philosophical position that you have to take as a biblical counselor. And I think this is something that, again, for New Zealanders who don't like to take... Uh, to be divisive and don't like to take a stand. I think some of the some of the knock-on effects of some of the discussions that have been taking place in the US have actually become problematic for us here, even though we've done as much as we possibly can to avoid that. And we've got a good variety of people involved in our organization. It's, it's still perception, right? This is what biblical counseling is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. We've talked about that a lot on the stateside biblical counseling movement. We want to export the good of what we've developed, but unfortunately a lot of times we end up mm -hmm. exporting the, the challenges that we've, we've had as well. How could mm -hmm. our, our audience, uh, one, is there any way that our audience could help? And, and if so, how, and specifically we can always pray if there, even if there's mm -hmm. nothing else we can do. So what would be some things we could pray for as well? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's a really hard one to answer without 
being able to be, um, yeah, I think one of the things we've thought about and played around with the idea of is actually having somebody we can devote to biblical counseling and just sort of getting around running sort of little workshops and things like that. But one of the challenges we've had, even just ourselves recently with that is actually finding churches that will host these little workshops. Mm. Uh, so that's a bit of a challenge. And it's not necessarily that they don't want to, there are churches that will, but um, yeah. So I think one of the big issues we have is really resources that we can devote to this people. We can sort of put on the ground to say, Hey, we're going to give you a traveling role uh, where you travel around New Zealand, visit churches, talk to pastors, talk to church members. In fact, talk to just anybody who will meet with you. Uh, and of course that's incredibly time consuming. Mm. And um, as much as I'd like to do something like that in many ways, it's just not possible. I've got, you know, we've got, we've got jobs and things like that. So really we need resources as an organization. We don't have, a huge amount of money. We have a little bit from member fees. We are a charitable organization, so that's great, but uh, we don't have the resources, the financial resources really to throw into just hiring someone. We did actually have one of our board members was paid part-time uh, until last year, but we ran out of money. So he ended up uh, having to um, back off his time, unfortunately. So that's the, probably our biggest area is just how do we get resources on the ground? People who know biblical counseling well, someone who has, say, a a demon or something like that who would who wants to sort of get out and really uh woo people to the cause of biblical counseling so um besides i mean inviting me over to teach because i would still <laughs> love to do that i'd be happy to come over there uh <laughs> it's kind of one of my Great. dreams but if people wanted to to give to bc uh, or nzbca to nzbca if i want to be proper Canadian, I guess. I don't know. Do you guys say Z or Z? Z. Yeah, Z. Yeah. We say yeah. It's a British thing. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, if somebody wants to give, like actually has on their heart, the Lord's laid mm -hmm. on their heart that they want to support you in that ministry, because it does. I mean, I know being the executive director of the BCC, I've got to raise money because that's mm -hmm. that is part of what we do um, to support a ministry. If somebody, the Lord lays on their heart, they really want to help biblical counseling expand and grow in New Zealand and also like that whole Australasia region, because I know you're working and communicating a lot with people, not just in New Zealand. How might they go about doing that? Yeah, we have, if you go to our website, nzbca.org slash support, uh, we've got our details there. If you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, that would be the best way of doing it. We, When we set the organization up, though, we set it up so that we wouldn't be dependent on um, on donors because here in New Zealand, that's just really, really hard. Um, but nonetheless, um, so we do have some income from association fees and whatnot. But yeah, check out uh, nzbca.org slash support is the best way to sort of reach out to us um, or, you know, reach out to us via email. I think the, uh, uh, yeah, there's a contact page on our website as well. Just go uh, check that out and get in touch and we'd love to connect with you. That's great. And we also um, heard from you that you um, run the Biblical Mastery Academy. Could you tell our audience what that ministry is all about? Yeah. So one of the passions we have, or I have, is to have people engaged with the Word of God uh, as directly as possible. One of the things that uh, challenges us today, it's interesting really, because if you go back to the 1300s with John Wycliffe, it was only the pastors and scholars who read the Bible, right? 
So John Wycliffe's passion, if you like, was to get the Bible into the hands of the regular person. And so he translated it from Latin into English. And that's how we started the tradition of the English translation. Of course, Tyndall came along later and translated from the original. But we're sort of like that. We think of ourselves a little bit like that. Um, today, it's really pastors and scholars who read the Bible in the original languages. And we think that this is something that anybody should be able to do. And one of the challenges we have is now that we have so many translations, it's actually often very difficult to actually have clarity on which of these translations is best, which one of these actually articulates the original best. And so what we do is we teach people, um, so people want clarity in the Word of God. And so we teach people how to read the Bible, New Testament and Old Testament, in the original Greek and Hebrew, so that they get that clarity and confidence in their reading and understanding of scriptures that they really want. Well, that's that's a fantastic goal. And I appreciate too, because we, we had the chance to connect a few um, few weeks ago while you were here actually talking about and helping train people to study in the original languages. Expound on that a little bit with your mission. It's not just, you meant, you mentioned this, but I want people to really understand your target audience is not, not only not just pastors, it's not just Bible college students either or seminary students. Like your goal is to make this uh, accessible to every Christian. So tell tell our audience about that and how you how you do that. Yeah, essentially, what we're trying to do is give you the skills to be able to read and study the Bible like a scholar. You know, that's the that's the key. So the more the more skills you have in the original languages, the better. In terms of our audience, we target pretty much everybody. Uh, we are we know that not everybody wants to learn the original languages, and that's okay. But most of our members are not pastors. Again, we find pastors have got so many other things to do that it's often very challenging for them to even keep their Greek, never mind uh, teach other people Greek. But that's really what we want to do is we want to equip people in churches so that they can be sitting in the pew or opening their Bible in their quiet times in the morning, and they're actually reading from the original languages as they do that. It is doable. It's hard work, but it's well worthwhile. And it really means the difference between reading the Bible, um, think of it like a black and white TV from the 1960s. You can follow the story uh, pretty well with a black and white grainy TV. Uh, you can see what's going on and all that sort of thing. But watching it in high def, you know, 40, 50, 60 years later uh, is quite incomparable. You can see the pores on the skin of the actors and things like that. Uh, and that's the same kind of thing with the scriptures. There's a huge amount of texture in the original languages that's just lost. And we want the average person to experience that. We don't want people to sort of be dependent on their pastors or, or, or scholars to be able to say, okay, this is what this guy says, therefore you're wrong sort of thing. We want people to be able to look at that, knowing the scriptures for themselves, understanding the arguments that these scholars and people are making and then evaluating them for themselves. Because ultimately scholarship, uh, even people writing commentaries and all those sorts of things, they're doing that for the church. But yet the church doesn't have the skills to be able to evaluate that or take advantage of it, apart from pastors and scholars. So again, if people, if you've got people who love the word, there's no better way to really grow in your uh in your ability to you know grow your love for it, grow your knowledge of it, than to actually you know do your best to eliminate the uh the veil, if you like, of translation so that you can read in um in the original language as it was originally put together. So, yeah, so we target everybody with that. And it's really just, we believe anybody can learn if they want to learn. We know not everybody wants to, but everybody can learn. And yeah, it's a skill, but 
man, it's so worthwhile. Now, you've talked a little bit um, about it and walked us through that, um, and now people are intrigued. So what are some of the free resources that you have to offer? Yeah, so that's a great question. We have, uh, so one of the challenges with learning these languages is that it's a skill to develop. The skills take time, right? Uh, we have a free starter pack, which is designed to sort of give people a bit of an idea of what to expect, along with some other goodies that would be useful along the way, uh, charts and whatnot that are just going to be things you can refer to. Uh, but the idea of that whole starter pack is just to encourage people to get up and running uh, with like, this is what it's going to look like for me to go through this process. This is what the learning process looks like. We also have uh, on our website a number of other freebies as well. We, because we have a YouTube channel quite well, sometimes we, and we have a good relationship with Logos Bible Software. Uh, some From time to time, we uh, have Logos training videos on there as well. So there's a number of those there as well. Uh, and of course, there's other nerdy, complete nerdy things like <laughs> I've gone through and evaluated almost every Greek grammar available on planet Earth today. And so there's a guide to which ones are the best and what's the pros and cons of each and, and things like that. So there's a number of resources like that there uh, on our website, biblicalmastery.academy. But um, yeah, the free starter pack, the Greek Hebrew starter pack is the way to start yeah. off with really. And that's just going to give you an overview of what to expect. And you you already talked about it, like this is this is a kind of fee for service. You're paying people are paying with if somebody becomes a member or they pay. What does that look like? What do they get? Yeah, so um, that's a great question. We have what's called a success path. So we map out the entire process from knowing nothing all the way through to being able to read the very hardest books of the New Testament. And this is Greek anyway, and Old Testament it will be as well. Uh, we're working on the Hebrew at the moment. So the Hebrews, anyway, I'll come back to that. Uh, so <laughs> from, from easy to harder. So we take you from we take you through beginning Greek in the Greek side, first of all, uh, and we'll teach you the basics of Greek. In fact, we're just building out a brand new beginning Greek course to make that even easier right now, because one of the things we've found is that Greek grammars have um, have quite a lot to digest in each chapter. And so we're going to make much smaller kind of lessons to make it easier to digest. Uh, once you've finished beginning Greek, then you start reading the New Testament, starting from the easiest books and going all the way through to the hardest. Along the way, we will explain grammar and different elements of how the language is working, explain different texts that as you come across them, and this is how the Greek is working, in this, and this is what to take away from that, things like that. So it's really, a, and we've got other courses that go along with that. We have a reading Greek course, we have an interpretation of Ephesians course, we'll have text criticism courses, uh, so that basically by the time you've finished, uh, you will probably have about the same amount of knowledge of, let's say, the New Testament. Uh, New Testament Greek is probably someone who is, I want to be careful when I say this, but certainly someone who has a higher educational degree in New Testament. Um, so you'd know the New Testament in Greek as well as somebody with a new PhD in New Testament is probably what I would say. In other words, your ability with the language is what I'm talking about, not your, not the whole educational experience. Mm -hmm. There are yeah. probably a couple of people um, who are listening to the podcast that are learning Greek or Hebrew, and you talked about mm. getting people to um, just want to get them up and running. How would you help um, encourage those people who are running right now, and it seems like a marathon? Mm. That's a great question. Um, the first thing is beginning Greek is the most challenging part of learning Greek. And I think the same would be true of Hebrew as well. Uh, and Curtis, you could probably attest to that, right? The beginning Greek phase is very, very difficult. 
And it's so difficult. The difficulty of it is that you get to the end and you think, okay, I've done that now, but you really have only scratched the surface of what you need to know and the skills you need to develop. So the key thing is consistency. Uh, You need to finish beginning Greek and don't look at beginning Greek as the end. Think of finishing beginning Greek as the beginning, right? That's when now you've got some facility with the language. Now you can start to read. And then from that point, you want to actually start to read the New Testament, starting from the easiest books and going through to the hardest. It's the same with Hebrew. If you're working through beginning Hebrew, finishing beginning Hebrew is the hardest first step you want to complete. That's going to give you facility with the language. Start reading. Start reading Ruth and Jonah, Haggai uh, and Genesis, those books that are a little bit easier to read and uh, just get into it. That's the important thing to do. So consistency is key. Small, consistent steps is the most important thing. If you just make a small step every day, you will get there. If you stop making those small steps, yeah, you will stop getting that. When when people are doing the training, is it online videos they're watching? Is it synchronous classes that they're sitting in on on the internet? Is it like what's the platform look like? Yeah, great question. We have a community um, within the community. We host courses. Those courses are um, a combination. This is one of the things I really love. You can self study all you all the way through it if you'd like to. However. Many people actually like to be able to meet with a professor or instructor. And so we provide facility for that as well. So what we have is we have what's called cohorts. Uh, We work at a particular pace through the beginning Greek program or beginning Hebrew program. And we meet each week at a particular time to talk through the homework that you've done since that last video. So you do the video, uh, you'll do the exercises we give. We have a pretty comprehensive set of exercises for each chapter. Uh, Certainly much more than you get in your average Greek or any Greek grammar that I've seen. Uh, and so we keep you reviewing things you've already learned. You'd get on a call with us after having done the exercises, translation exercises, we'd talk through that and so on. So that would be, that's kind of how it works. Um, and we have, we provide replays for all those calls. So even if you can't make the call time, you can still watch the replay when you do have time and keep up with that cohort if you'd like to. So one of the things we've, we've seen lots, many people online who do provide online Greek courses, have really just taken the seminary model and dropped it into an online format. And what we're trying to do is to say, actually, uh, the seminary format isn't really that great if you've got a full-time job and kids and all those sort of things. So uh, we're trying to allow people who have got everyday jobs and lots of other challenges to be able to go through this as well. Mm-hmm. Now, this um, ministry is kind of um, set and targeted towards people who um, aren't pastors and elders or just not as um, don't have a title or position in the church. Now, how would you say um, this work helps biblical counseling and especially coming from them being not um, higher up in the church? Yeah, I love that question. We have a number of people in the membership, actually, who are... Have, we, we had one lady, Joanne, who was going through um, ACBC certification when she joined and... Um, Yeah, she's finished that now. She's certified. But now that she's sort of reading the New Testament and working through, you know, she's doing Greek at the moment, not Hebrew, uh, but she's been working through the New Testament. And it means the difference between kind of hearing from others what the scriptures say and being able to sort of see it more vividly for themselves and then apply it. So it really brings your own reading to life Mm -hmm. and allows you to internalize the text better. I mean, even I mean, even just as you probably know, when you take the Bible and you read it in the in the morning or whatever, you read and you there's this tendency to zip through it really quickly, and we sort of skim over bits and we don't think much about what we're reading. 
Greek forces you to not do that because, well, so does Hebrew, because you have to think through what it is you're reading. You have to make sure you're understanding the words properly and how does this fit together and things like that. So you're reading more slowly and you're reading more carefully. And that then becomes this great tool for learning how scripture works. And so what we find then is that people uh, who go through and they've got, they're doing biblical counseling or whatever, they're seeing things in the text for themselves that they'd never otherwise see. And then they're able to explain that and, and, uh, bring that out when they're doing their counseling with other people as well. Again, it's the same thing. It's the difference between being taught something and learning it for yourself. This is just a really, I guess, radicalized way of uh, developing that learning approach so that you then internalize the text in a completely different way to what you would otherwise. And that allows you then to come out and come into a conversation with somebody and to say, well, hey, I was reading in my Bible the other day, and here's what this says. And you know what the Greek says here, and this is how it works. And it made me think of this, and you know, away you go. There's plenty of application and new ways of thinking about things and new ways of putting things to counselees to help them to really internalize the text that you're trying to get them to think through as well. So, Daryl, one of the things I really appreciate about Biblical Mastery Academy and, and just you as a person is you're constantly improving it growing it, adding team members, and you bring your, your tech background to, uh, to it. So it, it's high quality stuff. It's great, great, uh, look, good information, all of it. It works really well. Uh, and you were sharing with me some of the things you have that are over the horizon. They're not available yet, but they're really that you're still planning. You're moving towards, um, I don't know if it's letting the cat out of the bag or not, but could you tell <laughs> us, could you share with our tell audience us. some of those plans that are, <laughs> coming up and if you say no we'll just have to have you back on later to talk about it absolutely so we so like i mentioned just before we're rebuilding the beginning greek program so that we give people much smaller more bite-sized chunks of information to consume and do exercises on while we're doing that at the same time and we've wanted to do this for a long time we want to be able to uh, provide a resource for parents so that they can also teach their kids Greek uh, and eventually Hebrew, uh, but also not only Greek, but also English grammar at the same time. And so these small bite-sized lessons are going to be set up for an adult, someone who's in their teens and above. But then we've got one of my staff, Ruby, she's working on a kid's program. She's musical and incredibly creative, very talented. Uh, and she's working on a kid's program. She's got a daughter, of a daughter, a son of her own, um, uh, just a newborn. So she's very busy too. But uh, she's going to be also teaching kids at our church to start with. So basically, we're going to be having this program set up so that mom or dad could do, you know, lesson eight in the beginning Greek course and prepositions or whatever it happens to be. Uh, and then at the end of that week, they would have enough knowledge to then go and take the kids curriculum and teach it to their kids as well. And that would include things like, well, how does this work with English uh, and things like that too. So uh, that's something we're really excited about. We're thinking, you know, we're hoping to aim this toward the homeschool market so that, you know, parents can say, you know what, our kids can learn the original languages of scripture and um, we can learn Greek at the same time. And the goal for us again is to say, what would happen to the church in 20 or 30 years time after you've got a generation of kids who have been through something like this, what would that actually do to the church? And we think that's pretty compelling. And again, that's kind of our goal is to bring the original languages to as many people in the church as possible. And you can even just thinking about other things like, well, how would that affect pastors? 
uh, you know, pastors wouldn't have any excuse for forgetting the Greek and Hebrew, right? If if kids in their church know the languages <laughs> as well as they do or better. So we're hoping that this really has this huge flow-on effect down the road for the church and uh, is a real blessing to the church in terms of raising its level of understanding of its of the faith itself, of the Word of God, of our own scriptures, uh, so that the church is better able to serve and grow in the future. Yeah, I think it would be fantastic to have churches full of families that are that are are learning and have learned uh, the original languages together. So it's an awesome, uh, it's an awesome vision. So I'm really excited about what you guys are doing. So now you got people hooked. So <laughs> how can people connect with this ministry to find out more or sign up? Yeah, so you can go to our website and uh, go to uh, bma.to slash starter pack or bma.to slash roadmap or biblicalmastery.academy and it's probably going to pop up there anyway <laughs> um, uh, and download our free roadmap and uh our, our starter pack that's going to have the roadmap in it as well. Uh, and just sort of get a, get your head around what would this look like? What would this mean? We don't have anything in there about our kids program yet, because as you mentioned, Curtis, it's like really early and we've just started working on the first lessons. So we're not ready to put it out there yet, but if you are interested, um, yeah, check it out at biblicalmastery.academy. Uh, and I might even see if I can get Ruby to put together a uh, page. So let's just say bma.to slash kids. <laughs> by the time we post and this hopefully it'll be there, there that's right <laughs> yeah yeah and it, and it should be there by the time this goes live um so ruby was going to be working on an instagram uh page and everything as well so uh i'm sure there'll be more there but go to bma.to slash kids if you're interested in kids and biblical mastery academy for the whole thing the other yeah. cool thing is you get to listen to a new zealander accent oh yeah no. Greek. i so just had to pretty... hold back from like not trying to mimic it <laughs> And I would totally fail even if I tried. I think we should uh, no, have you. Um, no, 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 no. We're not going to make no. you do that. But. <laughs> well, Daryl, we really appreciate having you on the on the program. Our time is up, but we want to save two more two more minutes if you've got it for our two minute favorite yeah. segment. You good to go with that? Yeah. Absolutely. All right, here we go. What is your favorite food? Oh man, um, it varies from day to day, uh, I guess, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, right now I'm I'm enjoying the simple life, I guess. But one of the things I really like is um, eggs Benedict, or better yet, eggs Montreal on salmon. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Favorite color? Uh, navy. Favorite sport? Yeah, I don't really go in for sports. I guess being a patriotic New Zealander, not that I really necessarily say I'm that patriotic, I'd have to say rugby, but I just don't watch sports. So. <laughs> Favorite sports team? <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I'm just going to put the All Blacks because this is about the only team I know. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite gift you've ever received? Uh, that's a great question. Man, see, I told you I wouldn't know these things when it came to the time. Um, you know, it's often the small things. I think I have a uh, book from a professor who was also a, a mentor and dear friend, um, which he signed, and uh, that continues to hold pride of place as a little notion and everything. And so uh, I've never actually read the book, but I love the book and I love the gift. So yeah. Hey, favorite gift you've ever given? Uh, yeah, that would have to be, um, I guess, the engagement ring or a wedding ring for my wife. That's certainly uh, one of the things I've enjoyed the most anyway. Mm. Favorite book of the Bible? Yeah, I really love the book of Romans. Uh, I just love its depth and richness, uh, the way that things loop back. So, you know, things like Romans 12, 1, looping back over Romans 1, 28, things like that. 
Uh, I just love those sorts of things. So yeah, it's got to be the book of Romans. Favorite book outside scripture? Oh, that's a hard one. Fiction or nonfiction? I guess it doesn't matter, does it? Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's so many. I read I read almost, you know, I read a book a week thereabouts, uh, and there are a lot of really good books. And some of the ones that you would rate as good are they're good for different reasons. So there's ones that are really impactful and others that are you just really enjoy them. So I'm really struggling to answer that. Uh, one that I've read recently, I've been reading a lot around economics recently. So let me just say that uh, um, I guess there's, <laughs> I don't want to talk about some of the economics books as a dull, the history of price and wage increases. It's a bad one, right? But uh, let's go with something like um, the Bitcoin standard, which is uh which is a book that has been quite pivotal in terms of reshaping the way I think about the economic models. How's that? All right. Well, that wraps up our two-minute favorites and our time together. So, Daryl, thanks it's so much for be being the with most us. Random on. set of twelve. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being with us on the show today. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Curtis. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And special thanks to our team who helped make this podcast possible. My assistant, Rebecca Mullins, helps coordinate these interviews. And our podcast engineer, Caleb Lau, does a great job editing and putting everything together. We look forward to you joining us next time.